Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred. It's good to be with you if we've not met before. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to worship with us, uh, thanks for tuning in. We're we're so glad that you have. Uh, Our scripture reading for today comes from John chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 43 through 50. And it says this. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the Law and the Prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, from Nazareth. Nathanael responded, Can anything from Nazareth be good? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said about him, Here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are God's son. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than these. I assure you that you will see heaven open and God's angels going up to heaven and down to earth on the human one. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today uh, we are starting a brand new sermon series called Inclusive Like Jesus. Inclusive Like Jesus. And before we dig into part one of the series, I wanted to say a quick word about why we're doing this series and why I think that it matters. Now, if you've spent any time in the kindred community at all, uh, you know that it's a big part of our mission to be a church community that is inclusive. And you'll hear that language uh, a lot around here. In fact, if you just go to our website, as many of you have done uh, before, if you go to our website, one of the very first phrases that you're going to see right at the top of the screen is it says, your inclusive church family. And then if you scroll down a a little bit on our page, you'll see at least part of what we mean by that, that we're an LGBT plus affirming church. And so shout out to our LGBT plus uh, friends. If that's you, uh, welcome, uh, especially if it's your your first time with us. We we love you and, and we're so glad that you're here. Um, but if you look at our Facebook page, if you look at our Instagram profile, like you'll, you'll see this language over and over again about inclusivity. If you look at the posters that we sometimes put out and the invitations that we sometimes get out, give out, uh, oftentimes you'll see this, this language of, of inclusivity. It's a big part of our mission, and, and so we, we try to be upfront uh, about that. However, as you can probably imagine, we also get a lot of questions about this. Uh, people will email me, people will send me direct messages on social media, and, and folks want to know, like, what do you mean uh, by inclusive? And how are you inclusive? And why are you inclusive? And what I've found is that a lot of times people have assumptions, and a lot of times people have mistaken assumptions about what we mean about this. Uh, like, are we inclusive? because we're in perfect alignment with one political party and we have this like partisan political agenda, people sometimes assume that. Or are we inclusive 
because we're just trying to go along with the culture and we're trying to stay in line with the changes in the culture uh, around us. And we're like watering down the Christian faith to, to be in lockstep with, with culture. Sometimes people uh, assume that. Are we inclusive because we just think it's cool and it's trendy and it's hip and we're just trying to get in on like the, the latest fad? Uh, sometimes people assume that. that. That one always makes me chuckle a little bit because I always think like if it's our mission to be cool, uh, we're going to need a different pastor. I mean, I'm just like a bald dad. I drive a Prius. Uh, I'm not even on TikTok. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that cool. Uh, but, but my point with all of this is that since we get so many questions about it, And since there are a lot of mistaken assumptions uh, about it, I thought it would be good for us to do a series where we dig a little deeper into this question of of why are we inclusive and how are we inclusive and what do we mean by that? Because the truth is we're not inclusive because uh, of some partisan political agenda. And we're not inclusive because we're just trying to go along with culture. We're not inclusive because we're just trying to be cool. No, the truth is, and spoiler alert, this is like the bottom line, big message for the entire series. We're inclusive because we're followers of Jesus. And we believe that Jesus is inclusive. And we're trying to be inclusive in the way that Jesus is inclusive. Meaning we're trying to include the kinds of people that we know Jesus includes. Now, as uh, as I say that, Um, If we happen to have common ground with a certain political party on a certain thing, like, great, that's fine. If we happen to see something that's the same way that the wider culture also sees it, that's fine too. If somebody looks at Kindred Church and and happens to think that we're cool, like, awesome, I'll take it. But, But none of that is our mission and none of that is our goal. We're not taking our cues from politics or culture or or what's cool. We're taking our cues from Jesus. Now, as as I say that, uh, I know that it's really popular right now in our society for Christians on the right wing to argue that Jesus is on their side and that Jesus supports their agenda. And oftentimes in our society, it's those right wing Christians that tend to have the loudest voice, but it's actually equally as popular for Christians on the left wing to also argue that no, Jesus is on their side and that Jesus supports their agenda. And of course, the the heated debate rages on. I think that both sides of that debate are actually making a mistake. I think both sides are are, are missing something that's very important. And that is that as as Christians, uh, our calling is not to just invoke Jesus in support of our pet issues, but but our calling is to make sure that that we're in line with Jesus's agenda. We want Jesus to shape our agenda and, and not the other way uh, around. So, uh, so again, uh, we're inclusive because of Jesus, and we're in trying to be inclusive in the way uh, of Jesus. And in this sermon series, we're going to look at four specific ways that we see Jesus being inclusive, and we're going to be thinking together about how we can follow his lead, both as individuals, but, but also collectively as a church as well. Now, I also want to say here at the, the outset that if you're somebody who has experienced the church to be very exclusive at some point in your past, uh, I'm so sorry for that. And I know that for many of you, that the church in one way or another has hurt you very, very deeply. And because of that, you may have a lot of skepticism about the church in general, and you may have a lot of skepticism about us here at Kindred. Uh, And I totally get that. And I'm sure I would be skeptical as well if I had been through what you've been through. But if you stick with us over the next few weeks, I hope that what you're going to see is that actually the, the source of your exclusion 
And the source of, of the pain that the church has caused for you is actually not the Christian faith itself. And it's certainly not Jesus himself, but it's that the church you were a part of or the tr tradition that you were within got away from the example of Jesus, got away from the, the teaching of Jesus. And so I hope this series is going to give you a, a new perspective and I hope that, that maybe, just maybe, this series will help you to, to at least consider giving the Christian faith another chance. And uh, really for all of us, regardless of where we're at on our faith journey, regardless of our current relationship to, to church, I hope this series is going to help us to better understand what does it mean to be inclusive like Jesus. That's what the series is, is all about. That, that's why I think all of this matters very deeply. So having covered all of those preliminaries, uh, let's get into part one of the series. And here's what I want us to, to think about for the, the rest of our time together today. It's, it's this, that Jesus includes skeptics. That's what I want to talk about. Jesus includes skeptics. Now, for some of you, that may not seem like a, a huge deal, but it actually is a huge deal. And, and I'll tell you why. A quick, quick story here. A few weeks ago, I uh, got a message from th this young man, and uh, he wanted to get together with me because he had some some questions uh, of faith that he wanted to talk about. And this guy is a teenager. He's actually just starting high school this year, so it's an exciting time in, in his life. And I wasn't sure exactly what all he had on his mind, but we set up a meeting, and, and we got together. And you know, we started out with like the usual small talk, and we talked about school, and we talked about sports and, and all that. And then finally, the, the conversation rolled around to faith. And this young man was telling me that recently he's, he's been reading his Bible, like on his own, voluntarily. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I, I wish more adults would be doing that. that that's great. And he said, well, uh, it's been challenging and I have some concerns. And I was like, okay, well, t tell me why. Tell me what's going on. And he said, well, as I've been reading the Bible, I just keep coming across things that are just like really hard to believe. I, I keep coming across things that are that are hard to just like accept. And, and I was like, like, like what? Give me some examples. And he's like, well, you know, there's like the creation in seven days thing. And there's like the, the whole entire world gets flooded all at once thing. And just like all these miracles and, and stuff. And he says, I'm, I'm concerned because some people have told me that, that if I don't just accept this stuff, that if I don't just believe this stuff wholeheartedly, then God could send me to hell. He said that, that God could send me to hell. Well, as soon as he said that, my, my heart just broke, you know, my, my heart broke for him. My heart broke for, for so many other people who have been told this exact same thing. And I was really glad we had a chance to, to talk because I was able to chat with him about theology and biblical interpretation. And we talked about how different types of Christians have, have wrestled down through the centuries with, with these very same kinds uh, of questions. And I was able to assure him that God wasn't mad at him. God wasn't upset with him for thinking deeply. And God wasn't upset with him for, for having doubts or, or even skepticism and that none of that was, was going to cause God to, to send him uh, to hell. I was glad I was able to, to provide some reassurance to him about that. But the reason I share this story is because I know many of you or people that you know have had a, a similar experience at one time or another. And there may be some of you or, or people that you know who like this is the reason that they walked away from church at some point in their past, that, that at some point on your journey perhaps you got to this place where you were like, uh, hey, Christians, like, have you guys even read the Bible? You know, like there's some wild stuff in there. 
I mean, like, like kind of my, my teenage friend had discovered, like, there's all these miracle stories. What do we do with that? There's stories at times of, of like, horrific violence. There's stories of, like, you know, laws and, and customs and things that just seem very backwards and, and just wrong at times. Like, and maybe you got to a place where, where you're like, how could I not have hard questions about that stuff? Or maybe you got to a place where it was more about the, the Christian faith and, and beliefs and, and you started to realize that Christians can, can believe some pretty unbelievable things sometimes. There's the whole like Jesus is human and God thing or the virgin birth thing or the resurrection thing, right? And maybe you got to a place where, where you were like, how can I not ever have doubts about any of that stuff? Or maybe for you, it was more about the history that you got to this place where, where you started learning more about the church's history and you started thinking about it and, and you realized that like the church has done some pretty horrific stuff. I mean, perpetuating slavery, restricting the roles of, of women at times. We're going to talk about that uh, in a couple weeks, actually. Uh, the Crusades. I mean, just like the, the list goes on and on. And so maybe you found yourself thinking like, how could I not bring a whole lot of skepticism to this thing called church? And so maybe you walked away from church. Maybe you walked away from faith because somebody told you, hey, that's not welcome. There's no place in the Christian faith for your questions like that. There's no place in the Christian faith to have those kinds of doubts, to have that kind uh, of skepticism. And so you, you walked away. You, you, you left. Or maybe this is true, again, of, of somebody that, that you know. Um, and so because of all of that, because of all of that, uh, what I want us to see today is that according to Jesus, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. And we see this all over the New Testament, but I think one of the best examples is this passage that we read in John chapter 1. I love this story, so I'm excited to, to spend a couple minutes unpacking it with you. Uh, some of you know the, the context of this story, but uh, when, when Jesus was about 30 years old, we think, that's when he began his public ministry, meaning that that's when he began going around publicly doing his thing of like teaching and healing and miracles and all these things that we know him for now uh, today. And in those early days, when Jesus was about 30 years old, in those early days, Jesus was still in the process of gathering his first followers, of gathering his first disciples. And that's kind of what was going on here in, in John chapter 1. Uh, one day, Jesus is out and about doing his thing, and he comes across this guy named Philip. And we don't get a whole lot of details about how this happened, but Jesus decides to call Philip to come and be uh, one of his followers. And for some reason, Philip decides he's going to take the risk and he's going to go and, and follow Jesus. And pretty soon, Philip comes to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is, that Jesus really is the, the long-awaited Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. Philip comes to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And as Philip begins to believe in Jesus, as so often happens to people, he gets really excited about it. He gets really into it and he wants to share about it. He wants to tell people about it. He doesn't want to keep this to himself. Uh, I think of this kind of like uh, when you go to a great new restaurant and you decide to, to take a picture of your food and share that on Instagram. Like on some level when you do that, you probably know that like most of us, we don't really care that much, you know, just being honest. Like we don't really want to see a picture of your food because we're not as excited about it as you are. And on some level, you know that, but you post that picture anyways, because you're like, guys, no, I'm telling you, like, you've got to come check out this restaurant. This quesadilla will change your life. You got to tell somebody. Well, well, that's kind of how Philip 
was feeling about Jesus at the beginning of this story here. And I know some of you have friends who feel this way uh, about Jesus. In fact, maybe the reason you're tuning into this right now is one of your friends who feels this excited about Jesus keeps sharing church stuff with you uh, like this, right? Well, Philip didn't have Instagram, obviously, in the first century, so he had to just share by word of mouth. And Philip decides to go see his friend Nathaniel. So Philip goes to Nathaniel, and as soon as he finds him, he launches into this spiel about Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found the true savior of the world. We found the Messiah and he really is the, the son of God and it's so great and he's so awesome and you got to come see him and all this is so, so great. Well, Nathaniel, you can imagine how he responds. Uh, he is not feeling this Jesus thing, to, to put it mildly, like he is not into this at all. And Nathaniel starts kind of getting a little snarky <laughs> with Philip here. And he's like, okay, Philip, uh, really, you, you found the one Messiah. You know, you found the son of God of the entire universe. And he just happens to be hanging out in this little fishing village in the middle of nowhere. Right. Okay. Uh, where did you say this, this Messiah, what was from again, Philip? And then Philip's like, oh, well, that, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's so wild. Like he, he was from Nazareth, like just a couple miles down the road. He's like from the same region that, that we're from. And at that point, Nathaniel just loses. And he's like, Philip, bro, you got to be kidding me. Do you hear yourself? Like, Philip, I love you, but you are one gullible dummy. I I'm not buying any of this at all whatsoever. Now, notice here that at this point, Nathaniel doesn't just have questions about Jesus. And he doesn't just have doubts. Nathaniel is full of nothing but skepticism towards Jesus. And maybe there are some of you that can relate to that. Maybe that's the, the, the place where you're in right now. Well, I love how Philip responds in this moment. Philip doesn't try to get defensive. He doesn't get in this theological argument that gets heated or anything like that. He doesn't try to prove anything to, to Nathaniel. But instead, Philip simply says, Nathaniel, just, just come and see. Just come and see. It's like he's saying, listen, I hear you, Nathaniel. I, I get the skepticism. I really do. Like there's probably a billion reasons to not believe in Jesus. I get all of that. But just like come and see. Just come and see. And for some reason, we don't know why, and maybe Nathaniel doesn't know why, for some reason Nathaniel decides, okay, uh, even though he's full of skepticism, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll go and meet this, this Jesus guy. And maybe that's where some of you are at right now. Maybe you're like, I don't believe any of this stuff. You know, I'm skeptical about it. But, but here I am. I don't know. Like somebody invited me or whatever. Like I'm, I'm here checking it out anyways. Well, here's the pivotal scene in this whole story. Here's the pivotal scene. Nathaniel follows Philip to go see Jesus. As Nathaniel is walking up to Jesus, Jesus knows where Nathaniel's head is at. Jesus knows that Nathaniel is full of nothing but skepticism. And what does Jesus do in this moment? What does Jesus do? Uh, think about it. What Jesus could have done, like this is the perfect opportunity for Jesus to exclude the skeptic, right? This is the perfect opportunity for Jesus to condemn him, to reject him, and to set the precedent once and for all that skeptics are not to be included. And let's be honest, that's what a lot of churches today would have done to Nathaniel, right? That's what a lot of Christians today would have done to Nathaniel. But what makes this story so fascinating is that Jesus instead does the exact opposite. In fact, Jesus not only welcomes Nathaniel, but Jesus actually praises Nathaniel. Did you hear what Jesus said here? This is amazing. This is amazing. Jesus looks at Nathaniel and he says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. 
Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What does that mean? Well, in other words, Jesus is saying, here's a guy who is smart. Uh, Here is a guy who is not going to settle for easy answers. Here is a guy who is not going to just check his brain at the door. And Jesus is saying, awesome. All of that is, is awesome. In fact, Jesus is saying, look, I could use some more followers like that. I could use some more disciples like that. Why, Jesus? Well, because Jesus is thinking like, if we're going to launch this movement called the church, if we're going to try to transform this backwards broken world into the kingdom of God, then we're going to need some people in this movement who aren't afraid to ask some hard questions. We're going to need some people in this movement who aren't afraid to voice doubts and even skepticism at times. Like all of that is going to help us to be better. You see, so Jesus, he's not threatened by the questions or doubts. Jesus isn't even threatened or or bothered by, by skepticism. What we see is Jesus actually embraces all of that. Jesus wants to use all of that. And that's what Jesus is modeling for us when he looks at this skeptic named Nathaniel and he says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So what happens next? What happens next? Well, uh, to say the least, Nathaniel was surprised that Jesus welcomed him. He was shocked that Jesus praised him. And that was kind of disarming to Nathaniel. And so he decides that he's going to go and follow Jesus. And what the story tells us is that, like, pretty quickly, Nathaniel also comes to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, after Nathaniel comes to faith, this is important to note, it's not like his faith journey is just smooth sailing from there on out. Like Nathaniel will continue to hit bumps in the road that throughout his journey, he's going to continue to run into new questions. He's going to continue to run into new reasons for skepticism. And some of you are in that place right now. I know, right? Where you like, you've followed Jesus for a while, but then something happened. You went through something, something happened to you. And all of a sudden you got new questions and you got new skepticism. And some of you are working through that right now. And so it's important for you to know that when it came to Nathaniel and the example Jesus set with Nathaniel throughout Nathaniel's journey, Jesus never once excluded him. Jesus never once rejected him. And through that whole journey, through Nathaniel's whole faith journey, at all times, Jesus considered Nathaniel a friend. Isn't that amazing? Jesus considered Nathaniel a friend. So, so here's what I think this story is trying to show us. Um, and as I said, this is like, there's, there's so many examples throughout the, the New Testament. It's that Jesus includes people who have hard questions. Jesus includes people who have big doubts. Jesus includes people even when they're deeply, deeply skeptical. And so if any of that is you, if any of that, if you fit into any of those categories, I want you to know that you are included here at Kindred Church. You're included here. Uh, And if you know somebody who fits into one of those categories, they're included here. So tell them that, you know, help us to to spread the the word. And our invitation to you and our invitation to them is a simple one. It's exactly what Philip said to Nathaniel in the first place. It's just simply come and see, just come and see. We're not asking you to check your brain at the door. We're not asking you to to not ask hard questions. You know, we're we're not asking you to just settle for for easy answers, just have blind faith. We don't want you to do that. Jesus doesn't want you to do that, certainly. And so just bring the questions, bring the doubts, bring the skepticism, if you have it, and just come and see. And I want you to know that 
even if you never come to believe what the rest of us around here believe about Jesus, you can still belong in this community. You, you still have a place. You can still play an important role in this community. Because the truth is, you, you, the questions that you bring, they make us better. And the perspective that you bring, it makes us better. And I think being plugged into this kindred community is going to make you better as well. So, so wherever you're at on your faith journey, the invitation is to, to, to come and see. To come and see. And let's keep working together and, and let's help each other to, to keep being inclusive like Jesus. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving God, we are uh, so grateful to you for your deep commitment to us. We're grateful that you're big enough to handle our doubts and our questions and, and the skepticism that we sometimes feel, God. And your love for us is big enough to handle all of that, God. You're not threatened by all of that stuff. You're not that small. Uh, God, help us to remember that. And Lord, I, I pray especially today for uh, folks who have been pushed out of the church, for folks who've been hurt by the church, for folks who've been excluded because they dared to doubt, they dared to ask these hard questions or, or to be skeptical God. Uh, we ask for your forgiveness for the churches that did that exclusion and the ways that they got away from the example that you set for us. We also pray for healing for, for everybody who's been on the receiving end of that. And we ask your blessing on Kindred Church. Lord, help us to be a place where folks can come and, and belong as they work through questions and doubts and, and, and as they figure out what it is that they believe about you, God. Uh, it's an exciting mission that you've given us. It's an exciting example that, that we get to, to follow. And so we're so grateful uh, for your inclusive love, God. Uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in. A couple quick things here for us before we go. Uh, first, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is to click the link called Connect in the description here. And if you give me your contact information, I'll reach out to you later this week. I look forward to, to meeting you. Also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. Uh, there's just no substitute for, for getting together in person and, and worshiping with others in the community. Uh, so if you'll get on our website, it's kindrednc.church. That'll give you all the information that you need about in-person worship. Uh, and finally, this is a, a really exciting season for us in the life of our church. We have so many ministries going on, uh, so many ways for you to connect and get involved and, and stay connected with God in this season. So definitely check out the announcements link in the description and that'll keep you up to speed on all of that. Well, friends, remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.